welcome back to the podcast. I'm Mike Stockings, joined with me by my wife. Your delightful wife, Emily Stockings. <laughs> and um, <laughs> prior to us doing all the setup for this, this has been the hardest <laughs> setup of a podcast ever, doing it with someone that you are <laughs> a romantically intertwined with. <laughs> I don't know how to use a microphone, okay? So you we just had to do... To, you just point I, it at you. I move a lot, okay? Right, I I'll, fidget a lot. I'll stop mansplaining you and I'll get on. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to... No, obviously we get to speak a lot, but no one gets to hear it. Isn't that a shame? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably good sometimes. <laughs> we chat a lot of shit together. Um, I want, I've been on the journey with you, but I thought it'd be, you know, nice to see, or to, well, to hear your experience if you, A, opening your new business and, well, you've got two businesses now. Yeah. Taking the leap from going from your oh, corporate job, would you certainly stop? Oh, cor- no, it's not it's a corporate, corporate job. job. My very underpaid nursing job. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was corporate in any way. Yeah, you can relax more, I was joking. I know, but I feel like I can't move my arms or my legs, babe. <laughs> I cannot move Just anything. Just watching you. It's like, so hard yeah. to stay still. I do not do this. Your face just has to stay in the same place. Okay. You, like, you can see that I'm Yeah, I know. Chill, but you, you know, know, I was duffing it before and it sounded bad, so I'm just going to really try to sit just still. Just don't duff the mic, okay? <laughs> right, so... Um, starts at the beginning. What got you into nursing? Um, oh, it's a bit of a heavy story, actually. Um, I suffered pretty bad with mental health issues when I was a teenager. And I think that when I was figuring out what I wanted to do as a job, I knew that I just wanted to help people. Um, and when I was 19, I was doing like care work in like a dementia care home. Oh, it was hideous. I did like four night shifts on the trot and it was like i'm not kidding like six what, a week yeah 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 four yeah. four night shifts i mean that was minimum i would do four night shifts there were 11 hours i was like 19 at the time i was paid like six pound 35 an hour i remember when i got that job and like i was in the interview and i was like yeah so um you know what's the wage and they were so scared to tell me the wage but i was so desperate for a job at that point i was like yeah it's fine and now I look back and I think that was the fucking hardest job to do. Yeah. For £6.35 an hour. It's Mate, well, criminal. It's the thing. <laughs> hang around tattooers and then moan about their job. And then you hear other people talk about their jobs. You go, I got paid £6 to go to hell and back. You know? Like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. Um, but, you know, I, I did enjoy it to some degree. And... Then I, I went to uni and, and did mental health nursing because I I just I did enjoy working with people with um, mental health issues. And yeah, I did that for like five years. But I, I enjoyed working with adults mostly. Um, I think that it, it really helps when you have a bit of a connection, I guess, to like, you know, make with people when when you see them in their struggle. Um it's easier for them to talk to people when you have a little bit of understanding about well, what it's like to struggle with your mental health. Um, I mean, I, there was a few people that was on my course um, 
where I thought that they were just doing it for because it was at the time like you would get like a student bursary the NHS would like kind of or the government would pay for your student fees and stuff and they were just doing it for a job and you could see like their relationship with their patients was abysmal you know it was an authority figure whereas you know I mean I don't like to toot my own trumpet too much but I was a pretty good nurse well I I would say because obviously I met you when you were doing that and you've obviously come into this you know entrepreneur Mm, yeah (laughs) entrepreneur um the that was the first thing I noticed that you really did care you know you were you really really loved it Mm. I always say to people because there's a couple of the you know the twins um Welsh uh, twins that you the Welsh twins that's right yeah yeah um I'm not sure if it's one of them or both of them because they look (laughs) the same yeah (laughs) one of them does um they do look very similar yeah um obviously they are identical twins yeah one one of them is you know in it and and he's the way he speaks about it is the same he's like oh what there's people in there and they really don't give a shit and you're you're like just leave the job man because it's doing harm to people yeah 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 but i remember when you do i was like it's actually going to be really hard and it was hard for you to leave it because you actually loved it yeah yeah because i think i managed to you know make those connections with people and it, it ended up being really rewarding you know um and I can definitely remember a lot of people like the the ones that your twins or one of the twin uh, customers that you've got mentioned that there's always nurses and, and healthcare assistants that A, they might not care as much in the beginning or they get burnt out and then they end up not caring because the system don't give a shit about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really sad because people who used to be really good practitioners and really good with patients end up not giving shit yeah and it is sad well you see those programs like there was that one on bbc or whatever where it was like or was it bbc or something like that and then people go and film they they take a panorama one yeah yeah hideous panorama one and they were like abusive weren't they yeah oh horror i mean that's like another level of you know you you have to be just a shitty person to begin with i think to be able to do that to someone that vulnerable yeah they were like fucking kicking them and shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. giving them cold shout. It was like to, like uh, actual torture. Yeah, and there, there was one where there was like, oh, this person hates balloons, so look what I've got, and they had like a load of balloons. It, it was just a, a torture ward, at, like oh, yeah. yeah and it's weird that you you would be like, some of the staff actually need to be in the position of yeah, what no. they're being, you know, the, the position well, they're taking care of. Like, in prison. You'd be, yeah, you'd be like, you're a psychopath. Y- yeah. You know, it's sadistic, like actually getting joy out of, out of like, that's really vulnerable people. Yeah. It's like doing it to a child or, you know, Mm. yeah, it was really sad to watch, but it still goes on, I'm sure. And it's just, you know, you have to wait until someone does the whistleblowing thing and it's. Yeah, it breaks open the case, but underfunding would do that because you'll Mm. have, you know, you're strained from just not having good resources yeah. and stuff like that. And it takes a toll. You're only human. Yeah. You know, so people, but that's the kind of job where if you go, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. It's going to affect on someone else. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Absolutely does. But I remember the days when you come back and someone attacked you in an elevator or something like that. And Oh, no. I had... Um, that's when I was be, kind of like, you need to get out of this. To be fair, I did work on like a an acute adult mental health ward for like 
five years and I got assaulted. I got spat on once and then I got assaulted. Like someone grabbed me by the hair another time. I felt threatened like a lot, but actually I got off pretty well, as in I didn't really get assaulted. There were some staff members that would get assaulted more and it's because that they weren't as... Their bedside manner's bad. Yes. Yeah. In other words, yeah. Because I, I remember you saying a lot of patients would relate to you and stuff. And I even remember when we would go out and people would see... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but you, you would, we would be out in this, the town where it was and they would see you and they'd be like, oh, hi, do you remember yeah, me? Yeah, and they yeah. were really happy to see you. Where, yeah, like, yeah. say, if you saw a teacher you hated at school, you're not going to go up and see. No. I can only relate it to that, you know. Yeah. But, like, uh, I'm not going to go up and, hey, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, I think that it. a lot of it is in just showing mutual respect to them. Like, I, I just treated them as if they were, like, a family member or... You know, just because they have mental health issues doesn't mean you don't treat them like a human. They're not lesser than you. I think like some people, when they get stuck in that position of authority, they get on a little bit of a power trip and the way they might deliver information to them or or whatever it is can come across like fucking stuck up and they, mm. they're, they're going to pick up on that. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's what got like some staff members a little bit more into trouble than others yeah and you're dealing with people where you know if your if your headspace is not in the right space every you're analyzing everything body language tone of voice you know all that stuff where you know a person who is within themselves let's Mm. say like and you know doesn't have those issues wouldn't study that that much they would go well they're just having a bad day this doesn't mean anything directly to me there could be a thousand things you know yeah but obviously dealing with those type of uh, not those type of people, but do you know what I mean? That people suffering with yeah. their mental health, it's obviously a different ball game. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that the bedside manner then really translates into piercing now, your new your new venture? Because you have to, not saying with like, you know, you're dealing with, um, you're dealing with, uh, you know, mentally ill people i'm not suggesting that but i'm just suggesting like calming people down i know what you mean yeah it basically i think it goes into everything when i opened the um pole studio shall we start there shall we start there because then that will lead on nicely because you came in and you were kind of working from home teaching pole privately weren't you and i was like look go and chase your dream yeah, I know. Dream you you actually kid. did. You did. Like, I was so worried about opening it. I was like, what, is, what if it's going to not make enough money? And like, it's such a big risk. Really, the financial risk wasn't that great. And you were like, yeah, just fucking go for it. Like, you know, just just quit your day job and just fully go for it and it'll work. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit, really? But it did. Like, I, I was astounded. I was like, it way covered my expenses. Well, it's about what you put in. If you were another... <laughs> person who yeah. was a bit of a lie, lie about not doing much doing th- i wouldn't have even suggested that i'd be like you better stay in the job that pays you well like anyone yeah. would you know like you would say the same to me if i was venturing on something oh i'm just gonna go do this and you're like all you do is play playstation all day <laughs> and you've barely showered in eight weeks what well, now you're gonna be a marathon runner like do you know what i mean yeah you have to be idealistic obviously you don't want to be that person to shoot someone's dreams down but you displayed so much of like you already had hard work ingrained in you you know yeah yeah. if you were willing to go out and night do a night shift and 
deal and be patient and still calm when you come home and hey uh, you know all fine it's like mm. i'm pretty sure you doing the thing that you love will, you'll find easy yeah turns yeah, out it's yeah. very hard but well i think it's easy and hard in in different ways being self-employed is just very different to being employed uh, and i think they both have pros and cons i would still choose being self-employed 10 times over despite for the people cons. listening why um, I think the, I'll, I'll go through like the pros and cons. So if you're yeah. like employed, so it's say in my job, obviously nursing's a really hard job. So it's not always comparable to your average nine to five job. Um, it wasn't boring and it was rewarding. I know that some people do nine to five jobs and they are boring and not rewarding. So, yeah. it, you know, there, there's going to be a difference there between um, people in different kind of jobs. But the pros for going to work for someone else was you go and then you come home and then you don't do anything to do with that work. You come home and you enjoy all of your time off. Yeah. It's your time off to do stuff mm -hmm. with your family or whatever. Yeah. Yes, work might be stressful, but you come home and that is it. Mm -hmm. You get your paycheck. It's simple. It's like a simple transaction. Obviously, the cons are you don't have I, – I had to do shifts, you know – on Christmas Day or, or night, you don't get weekends and stuff like that. That was kind of a con. The pros and cons of being self-employed is you choose your own hours. You're doing something that you love. That's um, the big driver because it kind of blocks out like you ch you choose your own hours, but you end up working 24-7, it I, feels that, like. Yeah, so the con is obviously everything is down to you. Everything is your responsibility. If you don't get paid, it's because you're not doing something. Yeah. Um. You know, there's always, if you work hard enough and you do the right things, you will get a return from it. Mm. But you have to be driven and you have to have a good work ethic and you do end up working seven days a week. Yeah, if you decide I'm just going to neglect my business for a couple of months, it will be yeah. neglected. So, you know? Honestly, sometimes I feel like even if I don't do anything work-related for a weekend, I'm going to lose out on some money yeah. because of that. So it's always hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. Yeah, or at least I feel like that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, I well, I feel exactly the same, and I think any tattooer listening would be feel the same because we get into the idea like, you know, we, I was saying this the other day with like the idea of doing walk-in tattoos and it being, imagine if you had a shop where it was all off the wall, mm. like it was in, you know, there's still shops that exist that are like that. You They're know, just flash shops. Yeah, like a flash yeah. shop. But like imagine it to be, you know, um, just it's all set up like that. Mm. You would have that thing where you go home and you don't do anything. Yeah. You'll have to paint your flash though. There will be a period where you'll have to renew the flash because yeah. you'll get bored. Creatively, you'll get bored. There's a um, tattoo shop in, uh, in New York called Smith Street. And I, well, this might be a rumor, but... Um, or some tall tales or whatever, but they had a thing where if you're employed, you have to produce four flash sheets a week wow. or, or you're not allowed to to be there because they just have such a big turnaround for all the yeah. flash on the walls and they only do that. But that shop looks cool as fuck, you know, to kind of be in. So that they may, but it's hard for when you love something to switch it off. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting for one second that those guys, Bert Crack is his name, is one of the guys that works there. Bert Crack. Bert Crack, he's cool as fuck. That's such an unfortunate name. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm such a child. I'm so sorry. I always saw it like crack cocaine, like you know. 
Not like, butt crack. No. I never, no. I never, I never looked at it like that. I, not, I, I, I saw know it this like, guy, dude. Uh, obviously, I'm not suggesting he's, it'll be. He's definitely not going to listen to this podcast. But I'm sorry. <laughs> Introduce you, yourself as butt crack. Phoenix will say immediately, butt crack. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. Sorry. Shut up. Right. Thank you, my wife. For if if Burt Crack does hear this, this great. Is why people shouldn't listen to our conversations. <laughs> For you laughing at like a child. Well, I'll show you his uh, his documentary, and he is very very cool. I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sure he's really cool. He is very cool. Right, and um, I'm not suggesting that he would go home and just switch off because he loves what he does. So he's probably working all the time as well, you know. But I do see that he's a family guy. He's got a bunch of kids and, you know, all that stuff. And he's, um, you know, he's got a wife that kind of supported him through the whole way, you know, as well, which is pretty cute. It's on the documentary. Shout out to the supportive wives. Yeah. All the the wives out there holding up your... (laughs) I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Right. And, um, yeah, so it, it never switches off, you know. It never, never switches off. So when you're, when you enjoy something and you're going home... Would you be able to sit down and do nothing if you had it all figured out like that? I couldn't. No. I couldn't. I don't get it when people can. I know. My my mind is going constantly. Yeah. Like, what's the next thing I need to be doing to making sure I'm furthering my business? Yeah. We both do that together. I know. Sometimes it's actually bad. Sometimes (laughs) it is bad. You need to have boundaries as well. To maintain your sanity and actually live your life and your present a bit as well. Well, I said to Penn when we were doing all this place up, we got to the point where like we were just working all the time and then working in the tattoo shop and then pulling nights and then working all day, coming in at five in the morning sometimes to just build stuff. And then, um, but I I was co- uh, confessing to, uh, to Penn that I was like, I'm actually... A, a confessed workaholic like uh, yeah i do love it because, yeah because when the pandemic rolled around i was a mess yeah you know and it's because and i was obviously stuck with what to block but there was no go there was nothing out there to do anything i love that mm. and it's hard to switch it off you know because i actually enjoy it yeah i know me too. i really like working all the time right and then it catches up and you go, fuck, I just want this weekend off and I'm working. And, you, you know, you have one yeah, of those yeah, days. Yeah. But it's only one day. You don't do that for the whole next week. Yeah. You go, oh, just can't, next weekend. That's what my head goes like, mm. you know, or like I have holiday in nine years. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I, I don't get it that people can switch it off. I'm not that way inclined. Yeah. You know? I was speaking to Jess last on her podcast. It hasn't come out yet, so you wouldn't, you haven't heard it. But um, you know, she's the same. She can't stop thinking mm. about it, and and it shows for a lot of people when you show their their work ethic and what they can achieve next to what they've actually done in reality. You'd go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you don't get a really driven, obsessed person in their shit at something. No, it's it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's no. always like, I don't know, what what is that thing you say? It's not um, talent, it's consistency or something. Consistency beats talent when yeah, talent yeah, has yeah. no consistency. It is, it is so true. That, yeah, like, yeah. If you stay consistent enough at something, even if you're not naturally good at it, you will still get better at it than someone with a gift that doesn't use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sits around and waits for it to happen. Yeah. So then you started chasing your whole 
Yes. Um, I opened the studio. It's been open four years now. Because I think what we were about to go to keep it on track, we were about to go on to the bedside manner thing and how it went in. And then oh, yeah. we wow, to go. Wow, we really went off track. That's okay. And then um, and then you were, you, you started to say about pole and I was like, well, let's start there because then you can take it yes. into Pearson. God, you've got a good memory. Um, yeah, I think loads of people that came through the door were coming to the studio for some reason or another to do with... I want to feel better about myself. I've just got a divorce and I want to do something for me and I want to feel sexy or I want to do something that's just outside my comfort zone. And everyone was coming in with, you know, loads of people with anxiety or low self-esteem. And I think like having that relatable, we're all kind of in the same boat manner, it creates the best kind of vibe in the studio. And people love it. Like I've got some really, really loyal customers, but they receive so much from the studio. There's friendship, community. There's literally people can't say, they say like pole is my therapy or hoop is my therapy. And it is like you come and you share stuff between each other. And, and just pull your mic a bit too towards you a little bit more. Oh, okay. Sorry, more <laughs> more mic issues. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we share so much together, and and you know, it's really nice. And I, I think like the bedside manner thing really translates because of that. Yeah. Well, you got a camaraderie kind of thing there, so yeah, totally. So just the kind of relatable stuff with it, and, and I guess like the say relating it to for me with tattooing. I guess you have that, but like people want to change themselves, don't they? Mm. So, to some degree. And you obviously see this in piercing. And so for pole, it's almost like you could change because it could be to do with your self image, you know, depends how much you're going to display it everywhere. I guess some people just do it for themselves. So, but feeling to feel good, you can't see that. You might see it when you see them and you go, wow, you look way happier than the last time I saw you. You know, yeah. that that must be a very nice feeling to hear, you know, from someone. Yeah. But for tattoos or piercings, people actively get something because they're like, I want to feel good about myself. I want to get this. And you do that. So is it like, you know, and it's not all the time a place of insecurity from people, but it, it has a stamp for that, doesn't it? You know, like people come in, they don't want to feel like themselves anymore. This is a very dramatic you know, yeah. this is a very dramatic like stance on it. But I wonder if how it is with everyone to be that relatable, like as soon as they come into the tattoo shop, we've all been there, we've all been tattooed. It's painful to get it done. Yeah. And it's something you have to kind of earn in that thing. Mm. I think like it, when people come into your shops, this just like made me think of something else. Um, when people first come into the studio, they're always so nervous because they're expecting it to be this kind of like, judgy bitchy place probably or like you know their worst fears are coming up like oh, i've never done this before there's gonna be other women there undressed and i'm gonna feel like shit and all that kind of stuff comes into it just like turning up to a gym yeah yeah exactly yeah. or like yeah any kind of class or like you know like there are some industries there's some dance industries that are a bit bitchy and clicky like ballet is notorious for it um and pile was just so the opposite so when they come for their first session, they leave, they're like, oh, fuck, like everyone is just like me, you know, um, in one way or another. And I think when people come into your tattoo shop, they expect like, oh, it's going to be this 
really cool shop, like full of really cool tattooers. I've got all these followers on Instagram and I'm really nervous to go in. And then they go in and they're like, oh, these are all just normal guys and they have a really good laugh. Yeah, and they were talking about painting Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are lame. They're listening to Backstreet Boys. Even Claire talking about called nerdy me a nerd shit. the other day. I was like, Claire? She was like, it is proper nerdy. Uh, it's like, I don't care. I'm playing Minecraft after this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the stigma, uh, I guess you get that with every kind of business, don't yeah. you? You know, So the stigma of like, you could say for a piercing shop, there's going to be this guy just absolutely caked in piercings head to toe that only pierces genitals, you know? And yeah. Stuff like that. He's like very kind of leery and pervy, you know? Like, I'm <laughs> sure those places exist, but like it's whenever you see him in films for example so like mm. i mean i can't remember what film it was exactly it might have been like an action film like the expendables or something and someone's <laughs> getting tattooed in there yeah, and they probably. make it so fucking it's like all dark and dingy yeah and they're smoking it? a cigarette yeah. all the time and they're Drinking like yeah whiskey <laughs> yeah and there'll be people that listen to it go yeah the good old days, the good old days. <laughs> like, no if you've got time to sit and listen to this it probably wasn't a good idea <laughs> but yeah i think they're the changing the you know the the standard for that kind of stuff that goes with the bedside manner i think your mm. environment it's hard to have a good bedside manner in a place that is very intimidating you know yeah even if your staff is intimidating and you're quite nice they'll be like what's wrong with your mate yeah do you know what i mean we have a you have them all the time you meet them in tattoo shops and whatever it's hard because you, you don't there's not anything like when you went to nursing you would learn that the bedside manner you, well did you is that part mm, of it you do to an extent like you get you know taught about like being compassionate and kind and stuff but but really you either have that or you don't yes you couldn't like, slap you, it on you can't teach compassion mm. you can't teach people to have empathy you can tell them you can say like you should have empathy they need to know how to do that. And that's something that you just, you feel. Like you feel empathy. Like I feel it deep in the pit of my stomach. Like when someone's talking to me about something, I really feel it. Like I I feel their emotions or I try to as much as I can, you know, to a certain extent. There are obviously some experiences that I will never have. So I can only imagine. Um, but some people just don't have it. Mm. Or they they don't have the ability to draw that out of themselves and I, I feel like say with tattooing you know there's going to be a lot of people that i know i'm not saying this is for everyone but I, you know i've this is an observation from i've met a lot of people mm. you know and they've come out of school and they were good at art at school and they didn't have any direction and they kind of fell into tattooing that way you know and um really what school has done for these people isn't that great you know yeah. a lot of kids were uh, the, the, a lot of tattooers were bullied and yeah. you know kind of it was almost like art gave them an escape you know as well so yeah. then that's turned into tattooing so now you have to be with these people you know and you might not have the best not say bedside manner but you might be like socially awkward because of these experiences you already had but mm. this is the thing is like need you need to know how to to deal with that when you're deciding to deal with the public because you're what you're doing for someone is on a is on a person, whether yeah, you like yeah. it or not. You're dealing with you know, people. You're dealing with people. So there's going to be that kind of, you know, you you need to be 
personable. You need to be just like not a dick. Yeah. You know? Like And I'm not saying that everyone will be. You can as long as you're saying, you know, pleased and thankful and yeah, and you're helpful, you don't have to be like, Oh, I'm you know, I'm gonna butter this person up all day and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. Not suggesting that, but like, you know, not to be I don't wanna be intimidating. Like, say if you separated it and you didn't want to look at this is a weird way to look at it, but if you separated it and went a customer, a human being, or money, and they were two different mm. things, you wouldn't be like that to the money because you need it. Yeah. You you would be you would be inviting it in. If it was a suitcase full of money, you'd be going, <laughs> Come on, come in, you know. <laughs> Come sit down and imagine you had to coerce it to come into the shop, you know. The the better you spoke to it, the more it came in, you know. Look at it that way. If you've got no empathy and you're a bit of a psychopath, do that. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because I remember before me and you were together, um, I, I would say probably even before me and you met, um, I always thought of tattoo shops as this kind of scary place. Even though I, I had tattoos and I would go and get them, I always felt kind of like... Judged. I don't want to say that because I, I do get tattooed by some really decent and nice people and we used to have really good chats, but I always felt kind of like these guys are so much cooler than me. An outsider, would you say? Uh, I guess so, but no fault of anyone that tattooed me because I had I honestly had really good experiences being tattooed. Um, but it was still kind of scary. Like so I still you, felt like I had to prove myself cool enough to be there. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's just the stigma shadowed, overshadowed that and people are dealing with the stigma then? Because like, say if you, you're from your experience on paper, on paper was great. Yeah, yeah. But really your, was. your mental state going in is grabbing information that you've heard from stigma and going, yeah. I'm going to apply this to, my, yeah. to myself. Yes. Kind yeah, kind of, and but I think that when I we mean you got together, obviously I met you and I thought this girl's gonna be a total dick. <laughs> yeah, because I followed you on Instagram. Right. You already had like a fear. You were like, you know, in the days back then. I was it like ten years ago. Oh my god, he's got tens of thousands of followers on Instagram. <laughs> he's famous. Or gentlemen out there, see, this is how you win ladies over. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> It did not turn me on initially because I thought you were an arrogant douche to begin with. And then I re when no, I your learnt behaviour uh, <laughs> made you think <laughs> <laughs> your experiences of others. <laughs> you brought it into our relationship. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> no. No, no, hold no, on. No. He, he okay, for everyone listening. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. He had an aura of being confident, I would say. Don't right? have confidence, people. Uh, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but I thought you were... <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I was trying it, to impress listen, you. I you're you. not letting me finish. You know, I like <laughs> you. I was trying to impress you. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish. So to begin, like, when I met you, this is a preconceived judgment. This is nothing to do with you. Initially, I was like, this guy's going to be arrogant, right? And I get this a lot, you know. To be fair, yeah, yeah, no, At I know. At conventions, then, people, yeah, I would yeah, speak yeah, yeah. to them and sell them stuff or whatever. And then they'd be like, and then hang out with guy. them for a bit. They'll say something and I'll be like, do you want to get a drink or something? Like, just hang out? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, yeah, okay, cool. And then we hang out for a bit and invite more people yeah, yeah, and do yeah. whatever. Because it was always kind of like that. Yeah. And they would just be like, I thought you were going to be a real big dick. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what? Yo, what? Why? Um, 
oh, she's got that dicky look, babe. <laughs> yeah, hate hate that. Imagine no, living with that. You haven't. Living um, with the curse. You were confident, though, and I think you were cheeky. When we met, you were now looking back, confident and cheeky. At exactly the time, like I was son. on my guard, remember? I was a bit guarded at that time. And I was like, this guy's a bit of a douche. And then we went out for one night and then, you know, we kind of got together on that same night. Not saying, I'm, like, oh, not right. saying I'm a hoe, but, you know. You're like, oh, yeah. right. I'll let him bounce. Um, and then you were all like cute and nice. And I was like, oh, he's actually like a big old softy. And then I started to fall for you. Yep. Simple, simple love story. Yeah. Me being a hoe bag and falling in love with you. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> uh, but yeah, that, that drew me into you. I forgot what I was even talking about. We now. were talking about um, a self kind of, you know, perceptions of tattoo shops. Yes. And then we got together and I was like, this guy's really normal and mm. really nice. Really? And everyone, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, and then everyone in the shop, really normal, really nice. However, when we went to conventions together, that's a different story. Yeah. People there, I felt like, whether it was they were putting on a bit of a show or whatever it was, there was definitely some arrogant people there. I know I've said that word a lot, but obviously it doesn't apply to you. Um, there were there were definitely some people who were very much like, I'm definitely cooler than you and I'm going to act like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get rock stars in it for sure. Yeah. You get it with every business. So I talked to Jaden about this. They go to barber conventions. He was like, you get some hairdressers that think they landed on the moon, you know, oh, and they're just like, they're looking back at the earth and you're the earth. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> I was like, what? Hell, it's like, it's hair, bro. You know, yeah. I would say this to, to everyone. It's like, at the end of the day, it's just tattooing, you know? Yeah. And, and like, that's the thing is like, if the end of the world happens, they ain't calling you, bro, to paint your little pictures, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to call someone else to do something else, okay? Yeah. You better, better have more to you than just that. If anything, you know, I'd rather base someone on their character, you know, or stuff they do with their friends or, you know, they might be a kind person. They might be an unjudgmental person. You know, that overshines for me, whether you're a good tattooer or not. Yeah. If I'm like, I'm going to put up with this absolutely horrible person because they're good at tattooing. No, no way. No, no way. You know, it, do- it doesn't matter. I think that has like, I mean, we haven't been to convention. I haven't been to convention in years, you know, since we've had Phoenix and stuff. But, um, I feel like that kind of image of tattooers and tattooing is really gone for me now. Like I'm not, I don't feel intimidated in any way. No. Even when we have like guests down and stuff, they're always so nice. I think you kind of, we always end, I wouldn't say we're lucky. Well, mm. we kind of are because we don't meet them before. Yeah. You know? And obviously we have repeat guests and all that stuff. But the people that have come um they might be a bit nervous at first and you can kind of tell and then they kind of loosen up because they're like oh these guys are just normal yeah you know they do the same thing but i know that that's a big thing mate i used to have so like anxiety issues going to a convention i I used to not enjoy them i I would it was almost like when i had finished the convention that i would then in the car journey on the way back, knowing I was going away from the convention, I'd be like, that was good, right? But the whole time I was, my my, yeah. my kind of 
I would feel nervous all the time. Someone's going to say something. Someone's going to judge me on something. Someone's going to do this. And I, I don't get that in anywhere in my life. Mm. And that kind of went the older I got with tattooing. And obviously that's a me thing, but it was displayed by the time. Yeah. First tattoo shop, that if I took you into the tattoo shop that was here before, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Bikes, cocaine, they're smoking cigarettes, talking about women, like rude to everyone that comes in. Those places existed for a yeah. very long time. And those people taught people. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you meet them all the time. But going to conventions was horrible until, and, and especially buying, a, buying equipment, absolutely horrible. I used to hate it because I used to feel like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say any names of the bad people, but they were very judgmental. Why yeah. the fuck are you buying this? Why you're not good enough to have this and wield this stuff? It was like that all really all the time. I wonder if that's changed. Um, I yes, because I think our generation has come up now. Mm. I think it has changed a lot. And there were a lot of good people in that time. That's not all above board, you know, all across board. There was just some people that were kind of ruining it for the rest, you know. Yeah. And uh shout out to Ben Phillips, who um sold me some of my machines that I remember going to him and being like, I hate going because like everyone judges me on, on getting them and let me see that you're a tattooer and that it'll be like that, you know, and, and very dismissive. And then they're looking at your work and kind of pass your phone back and your credentials. I can make sure you're in the shop and stuff, yeah. which is fine. You yeah. They've got to make sure you're professional one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like that. They were the kind of glance at the paper and then they judge you. Mm. you know i'm selling you machines are you gonna fuck it up like you know are you gonna fuck people up and and you're gonna say i use these machines and then in another way i get that as well but the way there's a way to do across, it yeah it. like you know that there's everyone's entitled to doing it that's 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 the government's fault for not regulating it not tattooing or anything like that i don't know tattoos would hate to be regulated though they would, yeah. They would hate it. But Ben was there, and I remember coming up to him, and I remember doing like three laps around the convention. I, you know, just checking, just looking, Aww. like doing this, looking over to make sure that, you know, am I going to get absolutely destroyed? I was checking his mannerisms with people. This is how much I would analyze, like, and I have anxiety. Like, I was about to get told off by a teacher. Do you know what I mean? Aww. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, man. I, I used to hate it. And then I walked up to him after I got the finally got the courage. And I was like, I want to buy a machine. <laughs> I am a tattooer. And I then promise. the first thing he said, he was like, I know you're a tattooer. And I was like, what? And then, then we started speaking and he was so nice. Aww. And sold me all my shoes. And we've been friends ever since. He's great. Oh, that's nice. He opened a shop in Wales. He lives in London now. Does stuff with like fancy suits, fancy schmancy suits. Oh, changing career, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he was always kind of like a salesman, you know, in that sense of like of the craft of, mm. you know, selling something that he would really love. Like I remember when I, he's a really interesting guy, actually, when I went to Wales to guest at his place, he had like friends, we went for dinner and he had friends that were like, um, one was like a whiskey dealer and they would just go to like really famous people's places and sell them whiskey. And these whiskey things were like, oh, you know, cool. they're like a hundred thousand pounds a bottle or something. They cool. bring it in a, in a padded briefcase. They said one time, you, oh and they really love the whiskey. Like, you know, it's a really special thing to them because they love the craft. They love all this. Yeah. And they said a story that he went to Puff Daddy's, right? When they rented out this, like, um, I don't know, somewhere fancy, but they called up to get this whiskey in this rare whiskey 
So he goes and he's there to do his whole pitch about the whiskey. Oh, and they just ignored him and poured the whiskey in a, in a big bottle of Coke. Oh. And they, the guy was there like, oh my God, soul destroying. Yeah. It's like, that's like the one, a rare whiskey. Oh. And you've just. Made to be drunk on ice. Yeah. I it was imagine. like Dr. Pepper or something, a big bowl of Dr. Pepper. And he just like poured it in the bowl. And then everyone was just like dipping their glasses in it. Like, oh no. You're that rich. You don't care. Like, do you know what I mean? That's the first thing. I was like, that's pretty cool. But um, the guy was there like, oh my God. <gasps> But so yeah, anyway, he had loads of kind of friends like that. So he was kind of like, you know, so it didn't it made sense for me that he was doing something else with his character and his salesman because he was that person. Like, you know. Yeah. He made you want to buy I didn't buy machines off anyone else unless it was him. Yeah. You know, at the time, because I was like, he was really nice. He would message me, send me stuff about, you know, all that. But he was kind. He was really nice. And again, see, that goes a long way. I avoided everyone like the plague. If I could see, like, you know, they were bitching about people or if, like, even if I was hanging out with them, they were quite friendly to me. But if they started to bitch about other people and I, so I'd be like, nah. Yeah. Because who am I to them? Like, no, no one. Yeah. I'm next on the chopping board. It's uncomfortable, you know? isn't it? Like, when you have that person or those people that you know, that they, they love to talk about other people. You know they're talking about you when you've left. Yeah, and it yeah, makes yeah. you feel really, I, I clock it instantly. And I'm always like... I'm not going to be interjecting in this conversation or like putting my two cents worth in because you're going to talk about it. Mm, yeah. People have been very rude to me at conventions. Very, very, That's very So rude. sad. I feel like it's really different in the piercing community. I haven't been to any conventions yet and I really want to, but I feel like it's a really different vibe. Just from being on like the kind of Facebook support groups and stuff, they're all really nice. Yeah. Really nice. Like I... Obviously, if I went to one, I'd be a bit nervous going, but I feel like people would instantly make me feel welcome. Yeah. I, let's, I never let, get that let's jump ahead then and go into piercing. Yeah. Yes. So what about it? You've opened a dawned piercing. I have. How was that process? Fucking grueling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I was piercing in your shop, wasn't I? And then running the pole studio. And we were building this place. Yeah. So it was, it was really grueling. Mm. Like three months of no rest. I actually feel like, I was saying to one of my customers yesterday, I feel like this is the first time in a really long time where I feel like my life is a little bit balanced. Yeah. Um, we were in, you know, we were in here all the time, weren't we? Just fucking sanding and painting and building and God, I never wanted to paint ever again um but now it's here oh i love it mm. absolutely love it well it shows you've got a lot of customers already you were yeah. so when you opened it yeah was summer so was banging busy. yeah was so busy i'm really, really up to your craft there doing it new tech well i don't know from the outside yeah. i don't know what it is like but when you're like i'm doing this technique and i'm like that's cool yeah <laughs> lost lost on you yeah, someone to talk about it with. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've really, I mean, I only started last year in January and I, I get, you, you know me, I get obsessed with stuff and I have to be good at it. I can't yeah. stop until I'm good. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I practiced a lot. I did a lot of research. I, I researched a hell of a lot of new techniques and I've, I've completely changed the way I pierce everything now. Um, just so it's more like disposable, more sterile. 
Um, well, I, I knew when I used to come in and we'd sit in bed and you'd be up late. Oh, God, I just spent hours. Writing, reading, draw, like, you know, making. Watching videos on YouTube, like watching Patreon videos. Yeah. I'd be practicing on silicone ears. Just... You were making those like curation. Who was that one? Yeah, you know, yeah, were, yeah. Were, like were, an ear, ear jewelry design, like, ear curation. Digi yeah, digitizing designs yeah. and stuff. Anodizing. Yeah, it's fun. Everything. Fun stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've, I honestly love it. It is so chill. Like my space is so chill. My customers are great. Every time they come in, they're like, wow, it's so calming in here. And I get like such a range of customers. I get like, you know, little old ladies. I get little kids and then like everything in between. So it's it's really nice. It's nice to have like a really open, inclusive space where everyone feels comfortable. What do you think is the challenging part of piercing for you? Um. Sometimes it is challenging to be working on my own because sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck, I feel like I could make this better. Um, and I have to kind of figure out how. Um, so sometimes that can be challenging. Um, yeah, I worked on with myself for a lot of years. Mm. And, yeah, it does get – I know what you mean, ask questions and do that. That's why conventions was a big thing for me at the time. But as I said before, it's like I would kind of go there and just – not ask anything yeah you know. it, it just, yeah and you had a similar kind of thing like i didn't have an apprenticeship i mm. did it the wrong way i knew nothing about piercing until i really started and then was looking into it a lot because they did those so, courses oh and stuff. yeah i know diabolical so i started very embarrassingly for a course mm. and realized very quickly that everything i learned was trash i didn't even know that you had everything. piercing apprenticeships or anything is there is yeah, that a thing? they're like sometimes two or three year apprenticeships really yeah the thing is wow is what okay. you don't realize is that every single body piercing will have different things to it that you need to know and different yeah. very like anatomy varies so much um so there's a lot you need to learn like it became apparent to me very quickly that I had a lot to learn. Mm. Um, and I still, like, always learning, still do, and, and still trying to do better things all the time. But, yeah, no people... But you put in that time. I see that time. I, I did. I did. Obviously, it would have been better if I had an apprenticeship. Yeah, sure. I, it wasn't something that I was able to do. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the progress I've made. I, I feel like I've done pretty good. I, I had some, a couple of really nice mentors. One of your customers mentored me for a couple of days and, and taught me a few things. Oh, yeah. And that, um, and that the girl. Guy from, from Paris, he was really nice. And then I had a, another girl, Cat, um, who come down for the day. Oh, and yeah, mentored all the way me. from Paris. Oh, yeah. He had an apprenticeship. He had an apprenticeship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he taught me a, a couple of days. He, he shadowed me for a, a, some different piercings that I hadn't done before. And then I had, yeah, Kat come down and, and taught me some new techniques, which really off the back of that, I've I've learned new techniques for a lot of other piercings. So it, it has, you know, I have had help and I have had like, you know, I've been part of Patreon for a couple of like good piercers and stuff where I've like learned some new techniques and things. So it, I have learned from other really experienced piercers, just not yeah. through an apprenticeship. Obviously, it's better if you can. That was the same with me, though, at the time. Yeah. Like it, it would be like. I would speak with people that I had friendly, well, I was friendly with and they were in the industry yeah. and they would tell me, you know, stuff and we would, you know, yeah. I'd pick up a lot of stuff that way. Um, 
But yeah, like it's all about how much hard work you're deciding to do. I know. Put in. Like yeah. this, this could sound bad from someone on the outside if you're like, oh, just get a course and crack on and do yeah, what no, you want. I'm Obviously not. not. For that at all. Yeah, I wouldn't advocate that for tattooing either no. because like you just get people that just end the course and think like you can just go do whatever you want. Mm. If you've got no drive to study, to do anything, or to even care about what you're doing every day to someone's body, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You know, but that's a given. You know, yeah. you're definitely not that person. No, oh, yeah. God, no, no. And that's what um, your customer from Paris said to me. He was like, you know, sometimes it's not the person. Because I was talking to him about how I started piercing and how it was kind of like shitty and, and all of that. And he was like, well, I mean, because he had watched me pierce all day, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. He was like, sometimes it's it's about the person you are as well. Like, clearly you're putting in the work. Yeah. You know, and he was kind of like... He's a good piercer. Yeah, 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 really good. Um, so it was nice to kind of hear that and and have have feedback from from him and from Kat. It was really nice. Um, you know, she she was really helpful and and said the same. Like, you know, you are you're good. Like, you, you know, you've got stuff to learn, but you are you're doing good. So it, it was really nice to hear that. Yeah, but you always have stuff to learn as well, don't you? Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's not that's not even bad. F- that's not bad feedback. You've got stuff to learn. Of course you do. Oh, yeah, God, you know? no. I've yeah. got stuff to learn about tattooing. I've been yeah. tattooing 15 years. You yeah, know? I think if you're the day ever you at think point, you stop, yeah, you're done. Yeah, exactly. You know? I think the, the day you think that you know it all, like, you've fucking given up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you I, haven't mastered it. That. You've given up. Yeah. Yeah. We're the same. We are the same in a lot of ways, aren't we, babe? Yeah, <laughs> we are the same. Um, I want to wrap this up because um, yes. you've actually got to I've go. I've actually got to start piercing in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so um, you piercing your own uh, septum. Oh. I want to hear about <laughs> oh, that. I, I want thought to hear you were going to bring that up. Yeah, it's a week old. Um, I, I can't believe you did that. It wasn't that bad and i have pierced my ears a lot it wasn't that bad on the pain scale not that bad i I pierced so much in my ears that's more painful really yeah and the healing way more painful this has been done like a week and a half um do you think that's because because you had a surgery there do you think that it's no it's because of the tissue is softer right so you think it would be hard no so oh it makes my cringe just hearing it now i mean this is probably gonna make you think that i'm not as hard as you thought i was but you don't pierce through the cartilage it's the connective tissue between your skin and the cartilage. So in the middle, there's like a squishy connective tissue. Oh. And it's through there. So obviously, oh. like, it feels sharp. <laughs> Your toes are curling. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to try this new technique. Uh, I wanted my septum pierce, and I thought, I'm going to try it on myself first, you know, before I try it on anyone else. How? Um, How do you even see it? See what? Like, are you just looking straight in the mirror? Cause I, I was looking sh- in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, looking in the mirror. I had two tubes lined up on either side, and then I just, like, poked the needle through. Um, it's so good I for it just to, I had to like do a lot of like feeling around in my nose oh. for like a few days and I kept thinking about it I, was, I couldn't stop thinking about it I was like a, a week of like feeling my nose and thinking I could do it could I do it I could do it <laughs> and then it took me two days to work work up the nerve and I was like I'm just gonna fucking get everything out right now and if I've got everything out I've got to do it I used to tattoo myself all the time yeah, that's what people I ask. Like, if it hurts, time. yeah, and people would say if it hurts, um, because I tattooed my foot for five hours, Ugh. my own foot, that's right? Horrible. It won't. 
Really? And we're having the same thing. Like it, it weren't bad at all, really. You kind of control the pain to some degree. Mm. And because you're so focused, it doesn't – it's not the same as someone else going at you. Yeah. You know, and you, and, and doing that. It's, it's not the same. So is that the same for piercing, do you think? I don't know. Because people I see when they get their septum pierced, they absolutely die. Like Really? I don't, I, Sean's show, he got his septum pierced. I mean, what, pee? Yeah. He got his septum oh, really? pierced years back, right? He just went, I'm just going to go get my septum pierced. And he said it was the worst thing ever. He was streaming. His eyes were streaming. He was There was loads of blood. It was probably done bad. I, oh, I was going to say, it might be just because it was pierced off. Probably went through the cartilage. The cartilage, car- yeah. Ugh. Horrible. Some people get a piercing called a, I don't know how you pronounce it, nasolang. And it's like they do it through the middle of the nose and it's, it is through the cartilage completely, One, like a whole bar going through your nose, like right in the middle. What, that, outside and out the other? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. It looks fucking brutal. Damn. I couldn't do that. I've got a good pain threshold, but not yeah, I wouldn't want you to do that. You look like... That's, yeah, I mean... A pin face. <laughs> Hell, Hellraiser. <laughs> Oh, oh god. What um, would you like to do with your piercing in the next say 10 years? Oh, I don't know. Last question. Um maybe get busy enough to have a team. I don't know. Mm. That would be nice. Although I do really enjoy working by myself. I'm a bit of a loner. Well, we're across the street, you're hardly alone. Yeah, I know. I'm going to give I you do... veggie samosas every day. Yeah. <laughs> you and Jimmy. My veggie samosa buddies. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe have, maybe have a bit of a team going on, get to some selling some higher end jewelry, that kind of stuff. Just little changes, little improvements over time. Yeah. Nothing. I'm not thinking too big because, you know. It's just about you. sitting and yeah, learning your craft, isn't it? Yeah, and that is like, that's going to consume all your time anyway, isn't yeah. it? You know? really nail in your craft and that's going to show you yeah know, that the expansion will come through itself then so yeah i think so well thank you for your time oh i know i was pretty fucking busy had to uh really clear <laughs> my schedule <laughs> i actually did um yeah so it's been good hopefully i didn't fuck with the mic too much no i don't i don't think you did yeah and hopefully uh you don't get some angry calls from new york city right thank you everyone see you later Bye.